Welcome to the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast, where we interview the world's leading CEOs, business executives, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and authors. Our mission is to learn the strategies and tactics that have helped our guests succeed in business and life and share those lessons with you so that you can become the Bulletproof Entrepreneur. My name is Chia Dogu, and I'm the co-founder and COO of Dogu Media Group. Dogu Media Group is a podcast marketing and new media agency that helps corporations create and amplify their story via high-quality branded audio content that builds a community of highly engaged fans who are their ideal clients for their premium products and services. And now, without further ado, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. My special guest today is Alex Carter. Alex is a clinical professor of law and the director of mediation clinic at Columbia Law School. She spent over a decade there helping thousands of people improve their negotiation skills. She's a world-renowned negotiation trainer and expert, and she's worked for the United Nations and has tossed dozens of negotiation workshops to hundreds of diplomats and 80 nations. In addition to being a distinguished law professor and negotiation trainer, she graduated from Georgetown University as a Fulbright Scholar in Taiwan. I'm pleased to have Alex on the show today to come to just a little bit something about negotiation and, of course, to talk about her new book titled Ask for More, The Ten Questions to Negotiate Anything. So with that said, Alex, welcome to the show. Hi, Chi. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you. My pleasure. My pleasure to host you today. So, Alex, before we get into the meat of the interview today, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. I've talked about you being a professor of law and negotiation at Columbia, which is one of the Ivy League schools. It doesn't get much better than that, really. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to becoming a negotiation expert. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting, Chi. I think sometimes people see my resume and they hear the title of the book, Ask for More, you know, and and they feel like, wow, this woman must have just been born asking for more. You know, she came out and she was ready to, you know, demand what she wanted from the first moment. And I have to tell you that that's not been the case. In fact, I found as a child, a teenager, or even as a young adult, I negotiated unbelievably well for other people. If somebody close to me needed something, if a family member or a friend or a colleague or my daughter even needed something, nothing would stand in my way to get it for them. You know, and I found that when it came time to negotiating for myself and asking for more for me, it didn't come as easily. And in fact, you know, when I think back to the title of the book, if you want to know some inside information on where that came from, the first time I ever negotiated for my salary, I was really nervous. I I just, I didn't know how to do it right. So I went in and I had a range in mind and the manager sat down with me and he came in above. And so I worked, Chi, to keep my face neutral. So I just wrote things down to my notepad and said, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, great. Thank you so much. Really appreciate this. I'm going to go back and run my numbers. So I didn't know what to do. And I, I called a senior woman in my field and I said, can I ask you some advice? I went in and he came in above. What do I do? And she said, Alex, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. And I said, great, what do I do? And she said, you're going to ask for more. And I said, I'm going to ask for more. And she said, yes, 
Because when you teach someone how to value you, you teach them how to value all of us. So if you're not going to go in and do it for yourself, then go in and do it for the sisterhood. And I thought, oh my goodness, now I have to ask for more on every occasion. So I did then, and I have consistently since then. And I think one of the messages of this book is, in fact, you don't need to be the loudest, most aggressive, or even the most you know, value-claiming person to go in and to ask for more. You know, you can do it, you can do it collaboratively, and when you do it, you benefit other people as well. Uh, Mal, that's, it's funny you mentioned that your first big negotiation was negotiating your salary because I think that's where a lot of people actually find major problems with. And I don't know about you, but I have found coming from outside of the United States that negotiation is not a big culture in the U.S. You know, you go to the grocery store, there's a label and everything. You go to the mall, there's a label and everything. The rest of the world, maybe not even Europe, but like the Middle East, other places, Africa, where I'm from, there's no price tag on anything. So it's literally, you have to haggle for every single thing, you know. And if you're a foreigner, you sound funny, they're going to multiply everything by times five, times ten. So how is it that in a culture where uh, people are not used to negotiating, Negotiation is such a big deal. And why is it so important to teach people the skills to become a better negotiator early? Yeah, I think that's great. You know, and and Chi, I in writing this book, I wanted to expand the conversation about negotiation. I wanted people to know that no matter what they do, whether they're a management consultant, a mechanic, or a mom, they too can negotiate and they can feel confident doing it. And so what I would say about negotiation is, even in the U.S., more is negotiable than you think. Again, I learned this from my mother. We were shopping for my wedding dress, okay? And wedding dresses, you go into a bridal salon, you know, in the United States, and there are price tags on everything, right? And so you would think, well, surely you can't negotiate here. Wrong. So I try on a beautiful dress. I love it. And my mother, who was paying for my dress, turned to the salesperson and said, you know, I'm a public school teacher. This is a lot of money for me. What can you do for me on the price? So she asked an open question. Do you know, Chi, I wanted to drop through the floor out of embarrassment. I thought, oh my God, this is a fancy bridal salon. Doesn't she know? Do you know, the saleswoman looked at my mother without missing a beat. She winked at her and she said, well, Vera, since you told me you saw this dress at Saks Fifth Avenue first, it's 10% off. We didn't go to Saks Fifth Avenue. She just handed my mother, she handed her a 10% discount. And my mother didn't have to get aggressive or angry. All she did was ask a question. And this is what I've discovered, Chi, that oftentimes if you just ask a question, you'll find out that something is in fact negotiable and people would like to help you. You just need to know to ask the question. Mm. So now, why is it that questions are so powerful to helping you get what you want? And the follow-up to that is, how can people start learning how to ask good questions or better questions? Yeah, that's great. You know, I think, Chi, a lot of times people assume that negotiation means having all the answers, you know, almost like standing in front of the mirror and rehearsing what you're going to say when you go in. And I like to tell people, 
that's not negotiation. That's public speaking. You know, negotiation is a conversation. And your greatest source of power in negotiation, your single greatest source of power is knowledge. It's how well you know yourself and what you're looking for and what your needs are and where you're going. And then once you do that, you got to get into the room and figure out how well can you get to know that other person? How well can you get to know their problems, their needs, their concerns? And it's that knowledge that helps you create better deals, but not just one deal, Chi. I don't just want to get you to one yes. I want people to create relationships, to ask the questions that are going to create long-term partnerships so that somebody doesn't just come to you once, they come to you over and over again. The best way to do that is to first ask yourself the right questions so that you're starting from that place of knowledge and confidence, and then to lead off by asking the other person questions, because then they're going to open up to you. You'll get to know more. And when you know more, you give yourself a target to aim at. Now, so you ask the follow-up question about how do people learn how to ask good questions? You know, I, I teach workshops on this and it's amazing how many of us, we're smart people, we're educated people, we're prepared. We don't know the difference between an open question and a closed question, right? A great example of a closed question people might ask is, can we increase my salary by 20%? Or can I offer you my latest product? What is the answer to those questions? It's either yes or no. And when you ask somebody a yes or no question, what is the easiest thing for them to answer? No, right? So instead of that, you know, can you imagine if instead of going in to say, can I have 20% more salary? I mean, there's more you would do, but going in and saying, you know, Chi, I love working at this company. Here's everything I've accomplished in the next five years. And here's where I see myself. I see myself assisting you at the highest level in this capacity one day. What can we do to get me there? Or I know my worth in the market. You know, I've received offers at X level. How can we get me here? My preference is to stay. So instead of can we versus how can we work together, two totally different questions. For your entrepreneurs, you know, and by the way, Chi, so I'm a professor, you know, that's my day job. I'm a professor at Columbia Law School, but my entrepreneurial side, I have a large speaking and consulting business. And I'm also in the process of marketing a book. These are all entrepreneurial endeavors. So let me just tell you that right now, I need to be inviting people to be in partnership with me and to be using my services. I never call people and say, would you like to buy my book, right? Instead, I get to know them and I say, tell me how I can help you. I see that your organization is facing X, Y, or Z. Tell me how I can equip your folks to be the best negotiators that you need them to be right now. And when you ask that open question versus the, would you like to, you are getting a world of information that helps you create better deals. Mm, interesting, interesting. And I love the, the way you put it that you're going into companies to help them because right now with everything that's going on in the world, like 
a lot of things need to be renegotiated. A lot of deals need to be put on hold. A lot of things need to literally change. So let's let's step Ooh. into the practical aspect of your work now and say, okay, I guess maybe we should start from the small business side, then we go into like a big corporation. So on the small business side, you know, your mom and pop store, social distancing, you're closed. People can't come to your store. And then your landlord is asking you, hey, man, you still have your lease obligations and all that. How can somebody in that situation start to have that conversation of, hey, I need to start renegotiating either my lease, either my expenses and all my other bills because this is a unique time we're living in and no money is not coming in. What can I do? Yes. Okay. I actually have like a few steps that people can take in exactly that situation. Let's take the landlord, right? Because I think a lot of people are struggling with this right now. Small business, the money's not coming in, they're shuttered, they got to figure out what to do. Okay. I want your listeners first to know that their options are greater than they think. You know, a lot of, a lot of landlords, a lot of mortgage holders, a lot of credit card companies went through the 2008 crisis and they know what happens when they start terminating leases or, you know, calling mortgages or putting your card into collection. What happens? It takes forever for them to get back on their feet, right? And your landlord has needs also. They don't want an empty building. They want to show they have some cash flow coming in the door. So first thing, remember that you should always, always negotiate. Okay. Next, what do you do when you want to negotiate? I think a lot of times a small business owner, especially in a time of crisis, will start by almost like frantically starting to generate solutions. Like, okay, I need to start calling everybody I know to get more clients. I need to start posting on social media. You know, here's the thing. I want your folks not to start with the solution. I want them first to sit down and ask themselves, what is the problem I'm trying to solve? This is the first question in my book because everything comes from defining the right problem. You know, is it just that you're trying to reach out for a ton more clients or are you really trying to find the best clients that you can serve right now? You know, the people who are going to be with you for a long time. You know, when you approach the landlord, you don't just want to go in and throw your hands up and say, help me. You got to figure out what are you looking for? Do you need a lease extension, right? Because are you looking to stay in business, but just, you know, stretch your obligations out over the long term? Are you looking to pivot your business? And so really you need a break for three months while you get back on your feet. Think first about the problem you're trying to solve. Next step, I want your folks to think about what they need. Do you need, for example, you know, a lower monthly payment? Is it that you need a payment of X? Is it that you need more time? You know, there are lots of different things that, you know, you can need and lots of different options you have. So think first about your needs. And then do a little research on what the other person might need. For example, your landlord has needs too. It's bad business for them if they have all of a sudden low occupancy. It's also bad business for them if they don't have any cash flow coming in the door. Even if you're paying 30%, that might be better for them than not getting anything, right? So do some research on their needs. Then next, you know, Chi, there are so many groups out there now on Facebook and elsewhere where people can connect with other small business owners and ask, what have you guys been negotiating? So do your research. 
Go out and figure out what the menu of options is so that you have some ideas for different things that you might propose, right? And that might be an acceptable solution with your landlord. And then the last thing I would say is when you go in to negotiate with your landlord, remember what I said about open-ended questions. Don't go in and say, will you give me a rent reduction? That's a yes or no. Instead, ask questions like, what do you need to show your own lenders, landlord? What would you need to see from me to know that I was going to be able to get back on my feet after this three-month grace period? You could even ask them, how have you handled this with your other tenants? right? I'm not the only person in this situation. What ideas have you generated with other folks to come up with good solutions? These are great questions that are going to almost compel the landlord to have to give you information that's going to be useful. And then the final step that I want your listeners to know is that when you are going to make your asks, when you know what you're going to request and you're about to do it, I want you to make what we call an I-we ask. What does that mean? It means, Chi, here's what I'm looking for, here's what I need, and here's how we, the two of us, will both benefit. In other words, you're making your proposal in a way that shows the other person how it will benefit them. For example, I need a three-month rent reduction so that my payments is X. And here's how this is going to benefit us, because that will allow me, as you see from my plans, to get my cash flow back And after that, you're going to keep a tenant, you'll have a paying tenant, and I've made a plan to pay that back on the other side, right? The I, we, you know, and in fact, Chi, I've given people, some people an advanced look at my book and multiple people have written me back to say they used exactly this blueprint to negotiate with their landlords during COVID. And it's been incredibly successful. Nice, nice. I love that. I love that. So now one thing we haven't talked about yet is you've talked about the power of questions, but the other side of the coin is also the power of listening to hear what the person is saying, because sometimes the person might be saying something, but they might mean something else. So how do you marry, you know, asking the right question, but also listening for the right answer or listening for what is not being said? Because sometimes that also happens. Yeah, that's a great, great question. So first of all, Chi, the number one way to get ready to really listen to somebody else is to prepare yourself. So when you're asking yourself those great questions, what you're doing is you're getting all of your needs and your concerns and your priorities clear in your head because one of the things that prevents us from really being able to listen in negotiation is that we haven't done that prep work first, okay? So, but everybody who reads the book, it doesn't have to take long. You can complete those questions and prepare yourself in under 30 minutes. All right, Then you go in and you've asked somebody a question. So here's what you do. After every single time that other person speaks, you're not asking another question. You are summarizing what they said. In other words, you're listening to understand and to summarize the points they have just made. This is really important because you, I'm sure, know this, but listening to another person in negotiation is really an active endeavor. It's almost like going to the gym. It's not like the kind of lazy, you know, that lazy listening we do when, like, my mother calls and I'm cooking dinner and I sit on the phone and say, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. This is not that. Sorry, mom, right? This is... I'm taking in what the other person has said. And then I'm saying, so Chi, if I understand you correctly, 
you accept that questions are part of negotiation, but you're saying that that's not the whole part of the solution. And you want to know what other skills play into really being a terrific negotiator at the table. That's an example of taking what you just said to me and digesting it and giving it back to you so that, number one, you know that I heard you. Number two, you can tell me what I missed or you can add to it, right? And number three, you know, you feel better because you've been acknowledged. And when you acknowledge the other person, you didn't just sit there, you told them, you showed them that you were listening. That chi is incredibly powerful. In fact, summarizing is one of the most important tools I have as a negotiator. And I have created deals just based off a great summary of somebody else's concerns. Mm, love it, love it, love it. Now, we've got the questions down, we've got listening down. Um, so let's walk through like two key things you want people to take away by reading this book. Oh, just two. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, well I... just two for now. So if they want the rest, they can get the book. <laughs> <laughs> but two key things that somebody listening to this today, because you've, you've, you've spoken a whole lot about it, but I know that there's still some more practical things in the book that you can share. So if you say, hey, you know what? For you to see results today, here's one or two things you can start doing. And then mm. if you want to see more results, Go to Amazon and get Alex's book. <laughs> okay, fantastic. All right, Chi. I have a couple things that people can use right now. So the first piece of practical advice I want to give people, you know, I think a lot of times we're afraid of silence in negotiation. We think that in order to be effective negotiators, we have to be talking as much as possible and filling that silence. The opposite is true. Silence is incredibly powerful. And so listeners, I want to leave you with three words that I hope you will take for the rest of your life. Are you ready? Here are the three words. Land, land the plane. What does that mean? It means you ask your great question and that's it. You don't keep the plane in the air. You don't keep talking. You ask your great question and you allow the silence. Let me give you an example, Chi. Somebody might say something like, Chi, what do you need here today? Um, would $10,000 do it? No, right? I mean, it might have been, he might have said five and you overpaid. Or he might have said something else. He might have said, I'd like mentorship. I'd like a path to promotion, right? And so ask your great question. What do you need? And then bring that plane in for a landing. Because when you give somebody a few seconds you never know what's going to be on the other end of it. It's often something really great. Okay, that's number one. Number two is a lot of times people right now who are in business are fearing hearing a no. They're worried that they're going to get a no. And a lot of us are getting the no right now. And I want to teach you, I would say this is my single most powerful tool for turning a no into a yes. And here it is. If somebody gives you a no, you simply ask this question what are your concerns? That's it. If somebody says no, tell me your concerns. And then you really listen. Because Chi, I have to tell you that just in the last month alone, I turned five no's into yeses by openly inviting people to share their concerns, 
either with a proposal or their concerns about what was happening right now. And then I found a way, once they shared the concerns, to say, here's how I can help. That's all you need. You don't need to be aggressive. You don't need to push people. Just ask them to tell you their concerns and then watch what happens. You'll be able to generate something more than you would think that's going to satisfy them, it's going to help them, and it's going to help you. Mm. So now when you say what's your concern after you get that no, because right now everybody's getting that no. I, I, I had some contracts that have closed because basically it's no, the economy is tanked or is shuttered. So when you say, when you hear that first no, usually everyone tends to like retreat and say, okay, there's no way to salvage it. Now you've given us a way to salvage it, but what if the person saying no does not want to give you their own reason as to why they're saying no, then how can you create another avenue of like getting to some level of understanding or maybe even keeping the relationship open? Because sometimes people go away with hurt feelings hearing no. Yeah, absolutely. You know, first of all, if people really say no, what I think in my head is not right now, right? And so I have a variety of different things that I do. So, you know, as an entrepreneur, I have things that people pay for, right? They pay for speaking. But, you know, since coronavirus hit, I've also created a number of free resources. And, you know, Chi, it's not upsells. It's not like I say, you know, I have five tips, but I'm only going to give you one. I created a number of high quality resources where I just gave people what I had and I gave it for free. And so if somebody said, you know, we've been decimated financially, you know, we don't have the budget right now. I have responded back and said, great, let me give you some free resources. Okay. So I'm going to send these to you. And if you find that one of these would be of service to you as a paid offering, or if there's something I can do, get in touch. And I can't tell you the number of times that when I've offered myself to people in service and I have very high quality content that they then have called me and said, you know, this was really beneficial. And I think I'd like to offer it to my employees. So that's one way is to find ways to show people the quality of what you have to offer and to serve them, sincerely serve them. You know, the other thing I return to is I continue to ask open-ended questions. If, for example, I had an in-person event for somebody, and I've had many of these, right, where I was supposed to speak at an in-person event, and this was going to be a paid engagement. And people call me and they say, you know, we can't, we're not having the in-person event, so we're done. All I do is I get on the phone and I ask them, so tell me how you're equipping your negotiators while they're at home. You know, what are you doing right now since you can't meet? How are you training your folks? And what do they need right now? And once you focus people on that, they start thinking, you know, actually, we're not giving them anything. And so, you know, then you can very much find an option to meet it. So I've had a lot of in-person events that I converted to virtual. And I found ways to serve people even while they were in their homes. So I would say, you know, serve people. I always try to serve first and serve generously. And that serves me in the long term. But also continue to ask those open-ended questions and get to know people. The more information you have, the more you'll find out if you can create a deal. Mm. Another thing that I'm hearing here that you haven't said is basically you need to be creative as well because that's the only way you're going to rescue something out of nothing is you must have the ability to generate 
multiple options, multiple scenarios, multiple multiple ways to not only serve the person, but also make sure that you keep the conversation going on longer and you don't let that conversation or that discussion end where it is just because of a no. Is that correct? That's, you know, I like to give people more than one way to say yes. Absolutely. Mm. You know, and so (laughs) if, for example, somebody says to me, you know, Alex, we are so under pressure right now. Can you check back with me in a few months? Like, we love working with you. It's just hard right now. You know, if I can't find a way to serve them right now, you know, I have also emailed people and said, you know, I have so enjoyed working with you. If there's a you at another company that you know of, I'd be so grateful for an introduction. And I can't tell you the number of times that somebody said, you know, that's right, actually. So I can't use you right now, but I'd love to make an introduction to you for you, for other people. And that happened to me once recently. Somebody couldn't use my services because of a severe, severe business issue. I asked that question and she said, oh, I'd be delighted. She introduced me to 10 more people. And from that, I got three engagements. So always try to get creative and give people more than one way to be able to say yes. And again, Chi, when you're serving people and people know that, when they know that you're out for your mutual benefit, that's what enables this to be a thing where people are also going to pick up the phone and make references for you. I love it. I love it. And with that said, we have reached the end of the podcast. But before I let you go, I have one or two wrapping up questions. And my first question before we end this is, when it comes to negotiation, one of the things that I've noticed in your book is also you have to deal with a lot of feelings that that are felt by both parties. So now, given the fact that, you know, we all have different negotiation situations in our lives, whether it's rent, uh, negotiating with uh, our loved ones and personal relationships and whatnot. How can we manage our feelings within those contexts? Yeah, great question. So the first thing that we should do is we have to recognize that we're having feelings. And there's a reason why I ask a question about feelings in the, what I call the mirror section of the book, right? In other words, Chi, before you go in to negotiate, I have you actually spend a couple minutes to write down your feelings. Why? Because when you write them down in advance, they're less likely to boomerang back on you when you're actually having the conversation with somebody else. And so just taking, you know, a few minutes to contemplate that can really help people with anxiety. So if anybody feels like a nervous negotiator, that's going to help. It's also really helpful during this time because in times of crisis, Chi, the emotions are so much more present for all of us. You know, who listening to this has felt anxious over the last six weeks? You know, who has felt frustrated? Who's felt angry? Who has felt almost desperate to bring in a client? These are all things that are totally normal, but we don't want to be contacting people out of anxiety, anger, desperation, frustration. So taking a few minutes to think about that first is helpful. The last point I want to leave your listeners with is about what I call the big two. These are the big two emotions that are present in almost every you know major negotiation, but people don't talk about. And instead, what happens is you see a lot of anger. So if you ever see anger when you're negotiating, know that this is covering up for two emotions, fear and guilt. 
Fear and guilt are the big two. These are what get in the way of more negotiations than any other. And this is what a lot of people are feeling right now during coronavirus. You know, your landlord may be feeling, oh God, you know, what's going to happen to me? Or your landlord may be thinking, why didn't I put myself in a better position for this crisis? So recognizing that people are experiencing that, if you see that, a good thing to do again is to summarize and acknowledge, you know, to say, I'm here to work together with you. I'm here on your team. I want to do something that's going to allow both of us to survive this and get through it and be partners on the other side. Statements like that are really helpful for helping the other person grapple with their emotions and taking some of that heat down so you can get to a solution. Oh, and my last question today is, given your experience as a professor of law in Columbia University, a trainer of negotiation, training uh, people from the UN to corporates and a lot more, what's the one question you have not been asked that you would like to be asked. So what's the one question people have never asked you in any particular setting? What is the one question people have not asked me in any setting? You know, nobody has asked me, Alex, are there days, you wrote the book, are there days when it's still hard to ask for more? And, you know, because I talked about in the past, oh, in the past, Chi, it was hard for me to do this. I want you to know, and I want your listeners to know that yes, sometimes it's still hard. And especially right now, there's so much in the way of really heavy news, you know, both in my own town and in the world and a lot of fear. But my mission is to get out there and be the message. It's to show people that you can find collaborative, value-creating ways of simultaneously doing well for yourself in business and also doing good out there in the world. So I want you to know it's not always easy, but it is worth it. And even in a time like this, even in a pandemic, we can all still learn to ask for more of the things that make life worthwhile. Fantastic. So now, Alex, where can people find you if they want to contact you and reach out to you to learn more about you and what you're doing? And of course, where can people purchase the book to learn more steps that you've not covered today on this interview? Absolutely. So people can find me on my website, which is alexcarterasks.com. Again, that's alexcarterasks.com. You can find me there. There are links to purchase the book. And there are also ways for you to get in touch with me. I really want your listeners to know that I'd like to be your long-term partner in achieving your goals. And so I hope you'll come find me there. And Ask for More, the book, is available at any major retailer. You can order it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can order it from your independent bookstore through bookshop.org or any major retailer. Cool. And I'll be sure to link to all that in the show notes when this episode is edited and ready to go live. So Alex, once again, thanks a lot for coming to teach us how to be better negotiators. And thanks for sharing your story. I appreciate you taking the time to do this today. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. 
Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in once again to the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. If you like what you heard on today's episode of the show, please go to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show and it tells me if I'm doing a good job or not and what type of guests to bring that can impart solid wisdom to help you grow on your entrepreneurial journey. Once again, you can always email me at info at odogwu.com. That's info at odogwu.com to let me know you know if you want a different type of guest or if you even want to be considered as a guest on the show so till next time guys have a great day stay bulletproof and of course i'll catch you on the next episode of the bulletproof entrepreneur podcast